Hello and welcome to A History of the United States, episode 148, Saratoga. After spending the last few episodes focused on events in the mid-Atlantic states, today we turn north to look at events in Canada. We last looked at Canada in late 1776. General Carleton had attempted to march down the Lake Champlain Corridor, but had been delayed crossing the lake by the activity of Benedict Arnold. The plan for 1777 was to complete that mission. Carleton was to defeat the Patriot forces stationed at Fort Ticonderoga, take Albany, and then march south to New York. To accomplish this, he wanted 4,000 extra reinforcements. John Burgoyne, whom Colonial Secretary Germain decided would replace Carleton as commander in Canada, said he did not need any additional reinforcements. He fully expected a tough fight from the Patriots at Ticonderoga, but nonetheless thought the British would prevail and make it to Albany. Burgoyne left London at the start of the year and reached Quebec in May 1777. Carlton was furious, but only with Germain, knowing that this was not Burgoyne's fault. He provided Burgoyne with what assistance he could. He marched south, met up with his forces, crossed Lake Champlain, and landed on the southern shore on July 1st with around 8,500 men, while a small number of around 1,000 reached Oswego and met up with about 1,000 Iroquois who would launch a simultaneous assault from the west, as Burgoyne attacked from the north. The Iroquois had mostly stayed out of the war up to this point, and the Oneida and some Tuscarora actually supported the Patriots, but the other four nations judged Britain to be the more powerful force, and so sided with her. Not that it actually achieved much, Burgoyne didn't want the Iroquois to attack the Americans outside of battle, which confused the Iroquois, and the end result was that Burgoyne was criticised for using the Iroquois, when in reality they had very little involvement in the conflict, aside from being used as a threat. The British attacking from the north and west were not the only threats that the Patriot forces in upstate New York needed to deal with in the early months of 1777. There was the threat of the British to the south in New York City, who may launch an attack up the Hudson. But, however, the greatest battle was fought within the American High Command for control of the forces between Philip Schuyler and Horatio Gates. The New Yorkers supported Schuyler and the New Englanders supported Gates. Both sides made appeals to the Continental Congress, and ultimately it was Schuyler who was entrusted with command. Schuyler busily made his preparations, but when Burgoyne arrived at Fort Ticonderoga, he was actually in Albany. Burgoyne had been expecting to face 12,000 patriots, but instead he found 3,500, led by Major Arthur St. Clair. The Americans hoped that Ticonderoga could delay Burgoyne for weeks, if not indefinitely, and had constructed a second fort on Mount Independence, with protective works connecting the two forts. When Burgoyne arrived, he quickly discovered that the Americans had made a huge mistake. 
there was a nearby hill, Sugarloaf Hill, that the Americans had left undefended, thinking that it was impossible to haul artillery up it. A quick examination by the British showed that it was possible, and they started doing so on July 4th. On the morning of the 5th, the Patriots spotted two cannon atop the hill, and St. Clair was aware that the jig was up. They fled that very night. A number were captured, but St. Clair managed to escape with a small number of fellow soldiers. The defeat was so catastrophic that a court-martial was held to determine whether or not St. Clair had committed treachery. He was, in the end, found innocent. From here, Burgoyne set about crossing the 70-mile distance to Albany, but he marched slowly through poor-quality roads, transporting over 40 cannon, while his position gradually deteriorated. Schuyler didn't realise this, and sent extremely pessimistic reports back to Philadelphia, leading him to be replaced by Horatio Gates in August. But, indeed, momentum started to swing towards the Patriots, as they both harried the British supply lines to Canada, and his advance roused New Hampshire interaction, who raised a force that won a victory at the Battle of Bennington, Vermont, in mid-August. Meanwhile, the force in the West was also struggling. Moving down the Mohawk, the British besieged Fort Stanwix on August 3rd, but the fort resisted. Schuyler sent help to Fort Stanwix, sending Benedict Arnold with 950 volunteers and 100 militia, but Arnold was able to save the fort without battle. A captured Tory was released on the condition that he tell the British the American force was actually 3,000 strong, while an Ida warrior was to say the same thing to the Iroquois. While the British commander didn't trust this Tory, it was enough for the Iroquois to retreat. Without them, the British had no choice but to go back to Canada. Burgoyne had managed the crossing from Lake Champlain to the Hudson, where he based himself in late August. The British constructed a bridge, even though their Indian allies went home at the start of September. He decided to press on southwards, rather than entrench at either Fort Miller or Fort Edward. Horatio Gates, meanwhile, had inherited a strong army from Schuyler, which was then reinforced by militiamen. And then the ground over which Burgoyne was advancing was uneven, giving an advantage to the defence. Understanding Burgoyne quite well, Gates decided to meet him on favourable ground, the Bemis Heights. Burgoyne reached them on September the 18th and attacked the next day. The Patriots worked out what Burgoyne was doing and were able to outmanoeuvre him. The Patriots lost around 300 while the British lost 600. Burgoyne then waited 18 days, hoping that Gates would attack him, but Gates prudently waited. His subordinates advised Burgoyne to retreat, but he decided he would once again attempt to break through the American lines and advance to Albany. A large reconnaissance mission was led by the British, which led to another decisive defeat. The Americans lost around 150 men, while the British suffered losses of around 700. Burgoyne's hopes of victory were fading fast, and he resolved to retreat to stronger ground, near Saratoga.
Gates evaluated the American position. He was now up to 17,000 soldiers. He could have launched an attack against the British at Saratoga, but Gates was smarter than this. Instead, he sent a force north, cutting off Burgoyne's retreat to Fort Ticonderoga. On October the 12th, the British held a war council after deciding that it would be impossible for a large relief army to arrive in time from the south. A force had indeed been sent. Burgoyne decided to retreat to Canada, but then found out that Gates had already trapped him. The next day, October 13th, he sent a messenger to Gates, offering to surrender if reasonable terms were offered. Gates demanded unconditional surrender. On October 14th, Burgoyne offered for his men to surrender their weapons, promised to return to England, and to never again serve in North America. Aware of the British force moving from the south, Gates decided to accept these terms. On October 17th, over 5,000 British soldiers surrendered. They would not be allowed to return to England, with the Americans concerned that the force returning to Britain would just lead to them taking up garrison positions in Britain, replacing troops who could then, doubtless, be sent to North America. To say that Saratoga was a disaster for the British would be an understatement. It was devastating, both to the British and to the North Ministry. But more important events were taking place in Paris. As we've discussed previously, there was a financial crisis on the horizon in France, but few were willing to listen. These voices grew quieter when Turgot was removed from his position as Controller General of Finances. There were those who saw the American colonies bid for independence as a wonderful opportunity to lay a blow to the British. Sweet revenge for the Seven Years' War. And this was something the Americans wanted to encourage. Remember that getting foreign allies was a big part of the American war plans, as discussed when making their declaration of independence. They knew their best hope lay with the French, and so in 1776, they sent to France their best diplomatic weapon, Dr. Franklin. Dr. Franklin arrived in Paris on December the 20th, 1776. He was well received by everyone, from the ladies of Paris to Voltaire. He struck up a good relationship with the leader of the war party, Vigène. Dr. Franklin made his case across 1777, but then, at the same time, word arrived firstly that Washington had managed to evade Howe's thrust into Pennsylvania, although this could also be viewed as a British victory, but also more conclusively of the British defeat at Saratoga. Saratoga was crucial because it was the victory that finally convinced the French that the American patriots had a decent shot of winning the war. They would join next year, as would the Spanish in 1779. The Spanish were more cautious, having their own empire in the Americas, and they were concerned that supporting the American rebels would give their own colonists funny ideas. Considering how much the likes of Simon Bolivar would later idealise George Washington, they might have had a point. I cannot emphasise how much of a game-changer the entry of the French and Spanish into the war would be. 
Suddenly, the British supply lines across the Atlantic would be in danger. Then there was the broader strategic picture. The British had been able to win victories against the French in the Seven Years' War because the French had to fight the Prussians on the European continent, and the British were able to defeat the Spanish because the French had largely already been defeated. Suddenly, with no Prussia to support her, Britain was under threat. Indeed, for the rest of the war, the British would view the Caribbean as the primary theatre, rather than North America. The British would become paranoid about an invasion of the home island for the rest of the war, and would also provoke the Dutch into war, while the Russians would join a league of armed neutrality. In short, Saratoga was a disaster for the British, which is where we shall leave things for this week. Thanks for listening, I'll see you next time. Thank you.